Welcome into Lockdown Blackhawks for Thursday, February 27th, 2020. My name is Jay Zawoski. Lockdown Blackhawks is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day. Today is Talk Back Thursday. Lots of good emails, lots of good voicemails. We're going to get most of them in. I'm saving a handful of them because I'm going to record another Talk Back episode to air next week when I'm in Arizona. I sort of established a plan for how things are going to go next week when I'm in Arizona. So if you want to get some more questions in before, what, Friday night? That'd be great so I can build another Talk Back episode uh, obviously, the ones that are not specific to games will be more likely to get on. I'm also going to do some best of uh, Lockdown Blackhawks podcast next week as well. So uh, there'll be some. I think we're going to have three episodes next week while I'm in Arizona. I would love to do one every day, but it's just unrealistic for me to lug out all my equipment uh, in a house full of 15 dudes, be able to settle in, watch a Hawks game, and give you any sort of accurate sort of take on the game. Then have to record in a room I'm sharing with a roommate. It just is not feasible. It's not something I can realistically make work. So I'm going to do my best to get you three solid episodes. So get some more questions in by Friday, late Friday afternoon, so I can get to work on those talkback questions. I'm saving some of the ones you've sent already for that episode. So if you got some more things on your mind, get them in. 708-653-0572. LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. Got a lot of those voice memos today, and they sound terrific. Twitter at LO underscore Blackhawks. My personal account at jayzawaski 670 So before we get into the Talkback Thursday portion of the show, I uh, want to bring something up that's been called to my attention by a bunch of people, and with good reason. Uh, the article from the Daily Herald on uh, what day was that? That was on Tuesday. John Dietz's article. The headline reads, Some Hawks surprised when Leonard moved out. And on the surface, uh, you know, my thought was, I don't think you should be surprised because you've won one regulation game all month. You've fallen far out of the playoff race. And Robin Leonard and Eric Gustafson were unrestricted free agents, and the Hawks had to get something back for those guys. And I, I said they should. They did. But there's some comments in here from Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves that are a little bit telling. Here's what Jonathan Taves had to say. With how vocal he was talking about Leonard, you feel it and you believe that a guy really wants to be here and he wants to win and he believes in this group. I think he took a one-year deal to come here because he knew there was some experience in this room and there was a lot of potential here that was untapped. He goes on to say, so yeah, you kind of assume with the way he's been playing that he's going to be here longer than that. Kind of crazy how fast it's turned around. Okay, here's Patrick Kane. The way he played and how good he was all year, you thought that might be the route they were going to go. I guess you never really know in this business. All right, fair statements, right? Stan Bowman retorts. It's unusual for a player to say we're glad he's not back or we're relieved he's not coming back. I mean, Robin's a very likable guy, and he's a great goalie, too. So that doesn't surprise me. They want everybody to stay. They like these guys. They spend several hours a day, every day together. You get close to people, so I understand that part of it. We have to look at what's best for our organization in the longer term as well, and that's part of asset management. Later on, when Jonathan Taves was asked about the direction of the team, he says, I'm not really commenting on the direction. That's not really up for me. That's not really up to me to talk about. Patrick Kane was not so diplomatic. 
That's something we'll have to discuss with John McDonough after the season and kind of see where everyone's at. I'm sure there'll be some conversations once the season's over. And here's Stan Bowman. Their job is to play hockey, not so much to manage a team. I don't think that's really fair to them to bring them into the decision-making process. They've earned the respect based on what they've accomplished, but just like I don't go down there and talk to them about their shift last night in overtime, I think they have their job to do and I have my job to do. So a little contentious from all sides, and I get it. I understand this is an emotional time of year, um, but you're starting to see some of the impatience from the key, the two most important Blackhawks players, Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane. And again, my initial reaction was, if you don't like it, win more games. But those two guys can't do it on their own. And it seems like they're growing more and more frustrated by the day that this team just sort of seems to be stuck in neutral. Are they getting better? That's the question you have to ask yourself. And yes, I think Kirby Doc and Adam Boquist are going to make the team better. I really do believe that. I think most Hawks fans believe that too. But when you look at the periphery, it doesn't feel like next year this team's going to be in a much better position. The money they have, they're going to have to use to bring guys back like Kubalik, like Strom, like Kajula, like maybe Corey Crawford. And with the same roster and two great goalies in Corey Crawford and Robin Leonard, it wasn't good enough to get into playoffs. Will there be some sort of jump from Doc and Boquist? Probably. You could probably count on that. You could probably count on a little bit of a bounce back, too, from Alex Dabrinkit. So, okay, there's a little bit of room for optimism there. And maybe you have Calvin DeHaan stay healthy, right? But where is this team going? What is the direction? And as much as I agreed with moving Robin Leonard at the deadline, I would have been just as happy or happier to hear they signed him to a contract extension. We're going to get into that specific topic in detail during the Talkback Thursday section, but I definitely wanted to mention that John Dietz article because it's obviously on a lot of our listeners' minds. So I wanted to address that right out the box. So we will get to your questions coming up very, very soon. But first, I want to remind you that this spring, you need to follow your favorite baseball teams to Arizona for Cactus League spring training. Amazing weather and landscapes, exciting outdoor adventure, incredible food. Arizona is the perfect home base for baseball fans. Meet the players and get autographs before the games. All 10 stadiums are in the greater Phoenix area within 50 miles. Explore museums featuring everything from native heritage to modern art to musical instruments from around the world. Arizona is known for its incredible landscapes and thrilling outdoor adventures. Hiking, biking, Jeep tours, hot air balloons, skydiving, jet skiing, or just taking in a sunset. No matter what you love to do, Arizona has you covered. Bringing the kids along to spring training, Arizona is a fantastic destination for families. So plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash springtraining. That's visitarizona.com slash spring training. It is Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. And now it is your turn to get your questions asked. The first voicemail I'm going to go to comes from Blackhawks Bob, and he writes and sends messages all the time, and I greatly appreciate all of them. This one's longer form. So, Bob, what I'm going to do 
is sort of answer them one by one. Because if I let you go through this two-minute voicemail and then I answer them all at the end, people are going to forget the questions you asked. So in fairness to you, I'm going to address them all one by one because I think they're all great questions. I think they're really good points. And I want to clarify where I stand on a few things in case I haven't been clear up to this point. Jay, your old friend, Blackhawk Bob calling. And first and foremost, got to give you some credit. You, you did come around and, and appreciate you calling it like it is with uh, with Bowman over the last couple days. But got to tell you, man, still listening to you yesterday, there, there's a lot of benefit of the doubt being given to Stan in this organization that, that I don't understand where, where it comes from. Um, you know, yesterday going back and forth on the, the Laner conversation and, you know, did he, did he want three years? Was he given three years? My source is telling me the Blackhawks did want to give him three years. And, and, and I'm listening to you and others, you know, kind of point the finger at Laner and his agent for trying to get this story out after the fact. And, and, and I got to ask you, why are, are you giving Stan the benefit of the doubt? All right. Addressing the first part of the question. Um, I'm giving my source the benefit of the doubt because my source has never steered me wrong in the history of this source being my source. This specific source has always been truthful with me, has always told me the truth. There's no incentive for this source to lie in any way, shape, or form. The source is not gunning for anyone's job. They're not trying to defend anyone. Um, so they've always been honest up to this point. If the, If this source, this specific source tells me the Hawks wanted to sign Robin Leonard to a three-year deal, I'm going to take their word for it. Okay, there you go. There's response number one. Why are you saying, oh, he's not an idiot, he wouldn't do that? But at the same time, you're giving me example after example. Richard Panic, Marcus Kruger, where he and his staff were completely out of whack in their evaluations of the value of a player. Uh, two weeks ago, we had Artemi Panarin come to the United Center, talk about uh, the experience he had negotiating with the Blackhawks and Stan Bowman. And, and the, the, the reality is, this is a guy who's on, on pace for 112 points, and Bowman's still trying to justify we wouldn't have been able to afford him. You, you always can find cap space for a guy who's going to score 112 points. And, and, and you can't tell me that, that Panarin wouldn't have taken 10-4, 10-5. There's no way he was going to ask for more money than Patrick Kane is making. There's nothing that he's done that would indicate he, he would pull something like that. Signing Artemi Panarin to a $10.5 million deal is something the Blackhawks cannot afford to do. They cannot invest $31.5 million of their salary cap space on three players. That is not a formula for winning. It's not a formula for success. I don't care if Artemi Panarin has 200 points. That that's not you can't win that way because the rest of your roster is trash. When you look at what's going on with the Blackhawks forwards, Brandon Saad makes six million dollars. Zach Smith makes 3.2. Drake Kajula makes 1.5. Ryan Carpenter makes one. So there's your payment for Artemi Panarin. Okay. So no Sod, no Smith, no Kajula, no Carpenter. Okay, fine. I think most people would be happy with that. All right? The rest of your roster is David Kampf, Kirby Dock, Dominic Kublik, Alex Nylander, Dylan Strom, Alex DeBrinkett, Matthew Highmore, and that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, ten forwards. That's not enough. And you've got no cap space for anybody else. So that's why when they can't they could not afford to pay our Tommy Panarin. Did they trade him too soon? Yes. They could have waited till he was out of contract and traded his rights. Also, I don't think any of us, even Artemi Panarin's biggest fan in Chicago, could have predicted he would have been 
a 100-something point scorer in the league. I don't think anyone could have predicted that. I think everybody here thought he was a really great player and was a big beneficiary of Patrick Kane's help. A lot of us were wrong. I was wrong about Artemi Panarin. But look, $10.5 million, you can't, they literally could not afford to pay him that. You got to look at the track record. And Laner, Panarin are guys who have been honest throughout their careers. Bowman is a guy who has miss after miss after miss. We're going on six years of incompetence. They won a Stanley Cup less than five years ago. And we continue to, to give him the benefit of the doubt. And, and there, there's no nuance here, Jay. It, it's just poor performance. And when these situations come out where a guy like Robin Lehner talks about the experience he had with the organization, I'm tired of giving Stan the benefit of the doubt. It, it, it's, it's long past due to put, put all the body of work together and, and call this what it is. It's an incompetent organization run by an incompetent leader. Just as a reminder, I have called for Sam Bowman to be fired several times this year. I wrote a long column in November asking for Jeremy Cowton to be fired this year. But to call this organization as a whole incompetent is simply not true. It's just not. They are still the gold standard for how organizations around the league operate. Players like to come here. Players want to be here. They want to be members of the Chicago Blackhawks. A lot of them can't be afforded because of the Blackhawks cap situation. Big mistakes by Stan Bowman, especially the Brent Seabrook one, which to me was the nail in his coffin. Yes, he signed that three months after winning the 2015 Stanley Cup, but that should have been the hot seat moment for him. And look, I want accountability. You want accountability. Everybody wants accountability, but there's no indication to me that any of it's coming. Stan Bowman is not talking like a guy whose job is in danger. No one from the Blackhawks front office has come out to say he's on the hot seat or he's on watch or anything like that. It feels like the status quo to me. So we'll see. I get your anger, Bob. I totally get it. But look, it's very easy as a fan to look at this thing through angry eyes. But I assure you, Stan Bowman is not an idiot. He's made some huge mistakes, which I detailed very uh, in a lengthy manner yesterday on the podcast especially talking about the Richard Panic deal he's made a lot of mistakes but why do we suddenly take the word of one player who was here for five months over a GM who's pretty respected around the league and I'm not saying Stan Bowman has no reason to lie of course he does he's got to protect himself but why didn't we hear about this three-year pay cut thing Robin Leonard was willing to take until the trade deadline passed that to me is a little weird. You've got to wonder where it came from and why it came from where it came from. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying Leonard's lying, but you can't just immediately assume that because you hate Stan Bowman and, and love Robin Leonard, that that's the facts. That's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. Talk Back Thursday rolls on. Let's get right back to those voicemails. Hi Jay, it's Alexi from London. Uh, my initial reaction after the trade deadline was that the Blackhawks could potentially uh, improve uh, because it'd be a bit less pressure on the players that they know where they stand uh, after the deadline. And we did see that I think against St. Louis in terms of things like the power play, that was uh, that was encouraging. Do you think that there's any chance that they can put a run together, especially with all the home games that they have coming up in March? Or do you think that this team is pretty much done now? Alexi, thanks as always for the voicemail. I hope your shower was refreshing as it sounded. It sounded good. I felt like I was in the shower with you, which is a horrifying thought for you. Really, really sorry about that. Um, 
can the Hawks go on a run or are they done? Can the answer be both? I do think that March creates an opportunity for the Hawks to pick up some ground here, but I just feel like it's too late. Let's take a look at March. Home games are Anaheim, Edmonton, St. Louis, San Jose, Ottawa, Minnesota, Nashville, Pittsburgh, Dallas, L.A., Montreal. So you look at that, you say Anaheim, definitely winnable. San Jose winnable, Ottawa winnable, Minnesota winnable, L.A. winnable, Montreal winnable. Okay, road games, Detroit winnable, definitely. Washington, probably not. Minnesota, eh, since I gave the Hawks the win, at home I'll give them the loss on the road, Buffalo. So, yeah, they can they can gain some ground. I think they're definitely going to have a better month of March than they did in February. February was really tough. They played some good teams, but the problem is, they played some teams that were right there with them, and they just could not get those wins. The teams they're chasing started the month with a 3-2 shootout win over the Coyotes, which is great, but you gave the Coyotes that point. A 3-2 overtime loss to the Wild, so they get two points, you get one. A loss to the Jets, a loss to the Oilers, a loss to Vancouver. They beat Calgary, the one regulation win of the month. Another loss to the Jets. Another loss to Dallas. A loss to St. Louis. They had their opportunity in February. None of those games, they were tough games, but they were winnable. If you look at the standings, all those teams were right bunched up. If they could have won two or three more of those, how much better shape are they in? Right now, they need a miraculous march. They've got two games left in February. Tampa Bay, tough. Florida, tough but they've got to get on the right track. They don't have any more time to lose. And look, I don't think losing Eric Gustafson is that big of a deal, but I don't know if Corey Crawford can keep playing the way Corey Crawford has been playing. I don't know if that's realistic. I don't know if it's possible. Uh, I hope it is. They're going to need him to be an absolute stud and carry them to the playoffs. But if he does, how much would he have left if, and in the very unlikely scenario, that the Hawks get a playoffs, but how much gas is Corey Crawford going to have left in the tank? That's my question. All right, let's go to a uh, email. This one is from Tony. Is it just me, or is Pierre Maguire insufferable? Yes, Tony. Yes, he is. Oh, there's more. Okay, not only is he horrible, but I'm pretty sure I just heard Gord Miller say that Brandon Sow was nearly a healthy scratch. He's one of the best and most consistent forwards on the team. This, tele- <laughs> this telecast crew is awful. Well... Pierre is uh, never going to have a warm place in the hearts of Blackhawks fans. And I blame him primarily for this city's incomprehensible lack of respect for Corey Crawford. Where did it all fall apart? In the 2013 Stanley Cup Finals, Corey Crawford gave up five glove hand goals. And there the narrative was born that Corey Crawford had a terrible glove hand and that he was a bad goalie just you know, riding the coattails of a really good team. False. Keep in mind that the hockey messiah took a rask, gave up six goals in that game, and lost. If you want to say Corey Crawford doesn't have a great glove hand because he gave up five glove side goals, that's fine. Rask gave up six goals all over the place. Five hole, high glove, low glove, high blocker, low blocker. So where's the narrative for him? That broadcast, to me, played a huge role 
in Blackhawks fans' lack of respect for Corey Crawford. And I hope to God if one thing comes from this next month plus, it's that Blackhawks fans realize this might be the last time they see Corey Crawford in a Blackhawks uniform and let him know that they appreciate him for all he's done for this organization. Because he is absolutely a Blackhawks legend. And as we talk about numbers that should go into the rafters, it's really hard for me to think about that and not think about Corey Crawford. I know. You're 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 thinking I'm crazy. Corey Crawford is third all time in Blackhawks wins. Two hundred and fifty five as of now. Tony Esposito at four eighteen, Glenn Hall. 276 next is Corey Crawford 255 Eddie Belfour at 201 goals against I'm sorry that's goals against goals against average Corey Crawford is third all-time in Blackhawks history number one Charlie Gardner with a 2.02 goals against number two Scott Darling by the way 2.37 Corey Crawford 2.45 he's ahead of Jeff Hackett Chris Balhue Glenn Hall Jocelyn Tebow Eddie Belfour Dennis DeJordi and Nikolai Javi Bulin. Looking at save percentage, Corey Crawford is second all-time in Blackhawks history beside, behind only Scott Darling. Again, limited sample size with Scott Darling. Corey Crawford with a .917 save percentage. Him and Glenn Hall are neck and neck in save percentage. Glenn Hall with a .916. Goals saved above average. Corey Crawford is fourth. Tony Esposito, 509. Glenn Hall, 146, Eddie Belfour, 130, Corey Crawford, 91. Corey Crawford is an all-time Blackhawks great, and it's penis face Pierre Maguire who has ruined his reputation. <sighs> Brutal. All right, next email comes from Darla. She said, I have a general question rather than one specific to the Blackhawks. Teams and analysts tend to positively value draft picks statistically, aren't they just as likely to present a negative return as a positive? Relying heavily on a draft feels a bit complacent rather than making much of an effort to add cleverly through free agency and trades, which inherently present a more accurately assessed product. Darla goes on a little bit here, but I want to point out, Darla, that the teams that won Stanley Cups for the Blackhawks were very widely their own draft picks. And yeah, you could talk about the free agent guys that came in and sort of um, solidified things, but I'm looking at the 2010 Blackhawks roster. Cam Barker, Hawks pick. Bickle, Hawks pick. Boland, Hawks pick. Ba- Brower, Hawks pick. Burrish, Hawks pick. Bufflin, Hawks pick. Brian Campbell was a free agent. Corey Crawford, Hawks pick. Jake Dowell, Hawks pick. Ben Eager was a trade. Uh, Colin Frazier was a Hawks pick. Nicholas Jalmerson was a Hawks pick. Marion Hosa, free agent. Huey, free agent. Patrick Kane, draft pick. Duncan Keith, draft pick. Andrew Ladd was a trade, but he was traded for Tuomo Rutu, who was a Hawks draft pick. Brent Seabrook draft pick. Patrick Sharp was traded for Patrick Ellison. Matt Ellison? Matt Ellison. And the most one-sided trade ever. Jonathan Taves draft pick. So most teams that have won Stanley Cups over the last decade or so have done it very much on the backs of their own players, of the guys they draft. So the draft to me is much more important than free agents. Free agents are great. And when you know you've got a team ready to win, bring in a guy like Marion Hosa and like John Madden in 2010 and and Brian Campbell. Those guys are definitely huge factors in the Blackhawks winning. 
But without that core of drafted players, Kane, Taves, Keith, Seabrook, Jalmerson, Crawford, they probably don't win two, they probably don't win three. That core is what got the Hawks all the success they had in the 2010s. Thanks for the email, Dara. Appreciate it. Hey, Jay. Alex from Chicago. Uh, just wanted to bring up Stan Bowman. Thought it was interesting that he was only able to move unrestricted free agents at the trade deadline. Wanted to know if you thought there was anything to that. Uh, but also, it sounds like the Blackhawks' tone has kind of changed from winning now to winning a couple years down the line. Uh, wanted to know if you agreed. Uh, sounds like they might give Bowman another year to, to kind of start this rebuild. Uh, I do think Jeremy Carlton's going to get fired at the end of the year. Uh, if the Cox keep playing as poorly as they have in February. Thanks for taking my call. Alex, thank you for the voicemail. Um, you might be right. I, I just think that it's very hard to call anything a rebuild when you still have Kane, Taves, and Keith on the team. And they keep trying to do this where they add via free agency and they try to bring in players to solidify the roster. And this year, it felt like they did a pretty damn good job of that. Robin Leonard came in, Calvin DeHaan came in, Andrew Shaw came in, Oli Mata came in. They definitely added good veteran players to make the team better. I think they did that. However, the two most important non-goalies they signed and or traded for, Andrew Shaw and Calvin DeHaan, have been out for the vast majority of the year. So those didn't work out. On paper, they looked like they would. And as Calvin DeHaan, right before Calvin DeHaan got hurt, he was among the Hawks' best defensemen and most consistent players. But he went down. Andrew Shaw, even when healthy, wasn't a huge factor. So that was a misevaluation there. I, I talked about it a couple days ago. The Hawks' pro scouting has not done a good job. The European scouting is good. The amateur scouting is good. I would go as far as say the European scouting is great. But the pro scouting has been a problem. And that sort of goes back to Darla's thing of, look, you trust your amateur scouts more than your pro scouts? I do. I think most Hawks fans do at this point. Give them draft picks to work with, and hopefully they find some diamonds in the rough, like an Alex Dabrinkit, who was a second-round pick, right? And even going back like to Dustin Bufflin, who was a what, like six-round pick or something like that, and um, they, there's so many guys that were contributors to the Stanley Cup teams that were later round draft picks. Trust your amateur scouts. Trust those draft picks. Um, yeah, and Alex, it feels like you're right. It does feel like one way or another, Stan Bowman's going to get another year, and that is uh, very, very frustrating for, I'm sure, a lot of Hawks fans. It's frustrating for me because I, for one, am definitely ready to move on from Stan Bowman, as I think most Hawks fans are. Got another email here, and I lost it. I think I copied and pasted it to my document here forgot to put the name and now it's gone so whoever wrote this i'm sorry thank you for sending it it says here charlie romeliotis had a good column right after the hawks announced seabrook and dehan would go on ltir where he mentioned using the team's 14 million dollars and cap savings to take on bloated expiring contracts from other teams that needed to make room this year for deadline acquisitions seemed like a no-brainer with this year's action being fairly heavy up to the deadline why weren't the hawks more active on that front if nothing else, seemed like we could have picked up a few lower-level picks being a clearinghouse of sorts, taking on portions of this year's hit on players being moved like Toronto was in the Leonard trade. Good question. Um, a guy I brought up a lot was Mike Green. 
that from Detroit. This was before the deadline. That guy made perfect sense in that sort of a role. He went to Edmonton. And a lot of times when these things happen, the team will say to the player, like, look, we appreciate your service. We know you've been in the league a long time. We've got a couple things on the table here. Um, where would you prefer to go? I don't know if that's what happened with Mike Green, but most veteran guys like that want to go to a contender. And I wouldn't know. I don't know if Edmonton's a contender, but they're in a playoff hunt. So, you know, that sort of that sort of changes things a little bit, right? Um, and then Detroit took back Sam Gagne to make the deal work. There weren't a ton of moves like that, though, where they were just sort of uh, cap-saving moves. So, look, these things are all great ideas, and I'm all for them, and I was all for that. I thought it would be a great idea to bring in Mike Green after moving out Gustafson to sort of, you know, fill that gap. But they can't make trades that are presented to them. And someone earlier asked about Brandon Saad, you know, not being traded. Or I, I think it was just restrictive, unrestricted free agents only. I'm sorry. And you you got to take the trades that are offered to you. The Hawks source, who I trust so much, who I talked about earlier on this podcast, said the Hawks were shocked that they weren't getting a bunch of uh, people reaching out about Brandon Saad. Everyone expected that they would. The Hawks were ready and willing to listen to offers for Brandon Saad, but they just didn't come. For one reason or another, they just didn't come to fruition. So, I don't know. You know, that like that's part of it. And as much as I want Bowman fired, he can't create trades out of whole cloth. There's got to be teams interested in making a deal. So, maybe that's where if it comes off like I'm sort of making excuses for Bowman, I guess by definition I am because it's true. He can't go make deals that don't exist. That He can't do that. So anyway, that, that's sort of how I look at things. Um, who knows? Who knows what was out there? We'll never know. I wish, I swear to God, if I could do anything in the world, I would sit in the Hawks war room for a trade deadline. That would be like bucket list career thing for me, just to witness how it works, to see how it works. And, you know, sort of get an idea of like, okay, how does it work? What, like what calls are made? Who, who initiates what? You know, I don't know. It, it's interesting. I would just love to go behind the scenes and watch that someday. It will never, ever happen in the history of the world, especially with the Blackhawks, who are so protective of everything. But, man, that would be a huge pipe dream for me. I would absolutely love to do that. All right, one more voicemail before we wrap things up. Hey, Jay, it's Jack. Listen, this is not about the Blackhawks. Because of their recent fall back into mediocrity, it might be refreshing for some of us hockey fans to focus on other stories in the game that make it worth watching, make it worth being a fan of. And for me right now, that's Alexander Ovechkin. And what a remarkable athlete, what a remarkable hockey player this man is. He keeps getting older and he keeps lighting it up. He's probably gonna get 50 again this year. I wanna know your thoughts on whether or not you think he's gonna catch the great one. I mean, 894 is a pretty big number, but I don't want to say that he's not going to do it, but I, I don't know. I wouldn't put it past him if he did. And I think it's something to root for, especially when your team is mediocre and kind of lost like the Blackhawks are. It's, it's refreshing to follow other stories uh, in this incredible, exciting, and always interesting sport of hockey that we love so much. Want to hear your thoughts, man? Have a good night. I'll talk to you soon. It's a hell of a question, Jack, and as Alex Ovechkin, as of this moment, sits at 701 
career goals, crunch some numbers. Alex Ovechkin, throughout his 15-year NHL career, has averaged 46 goals and change, okay? So at that pace, if he maintains that pace, he'd have to play four more seasons, like 4.2 more seasons to catch Wayne Gretzky. He's 30, what is he, 32, 34 years old. So he'd have to play at a 46-goal pace till he's 40 to catch Wayne Gretzky. Can it happen? I, I think it can. I think he could do that. I don't think there's nothing that shows me that Ovechkin only has four years left in him. To me, he's, he reminds me of Yarmer Yager, where the guy's going to be able to play till he's 43, 44, 45. And if that's the case, I think he does catch Gretzky. By the way, speaking of Wayne Gretzky, I know I've shared this stat before. I know that most hockey fans know this, but for the few that don't, I want to point this out. Wayne Gretzky is the NHL's all-time leading goal scorer with 894 goals. He's also the league's all-time leading scorer with 2,857 points. If you remove all 894 goals from Wayne Gretzky's career, Again, no one has scored more than 894 goals in the NHL's history. If you take away all those goals from Wayne Gretzky, he is still the NHL's all-time leading scorer on assists alone. How about that? How about that? That is absolutely incredible. Yarmir Yager, second all-time in NHL history with 1,000. 921 points. Wayne Gretzky has 1,963 assists. Think about that. That will never be broken. Ever. Thanks for listening to this edition of Lockdown Blackhawks. Really appreciate it. Remember, we're going to do a special extra talkback episode that I'm going to record on Friday. So send me some more questions. I'm going to give you guys some programming for next week. Even though I'm out of town, I'm going to get some things in the can before I leave. So please get those messages in. The more, the better. Maybe I can do two shows worth. And that way you guys have an extra day of content. That would be wonderful. Lockdownblackhawks at gmail.com 708-653-0572. And now that the trade deadline is over, there's nothing off limits. Ask me about my personal life. Ask me about my job at the score. Ask me about my other podcast. Ask me anything you want to ask me. Nothing is off limits. I am an open book. I will answer most questions. And uh, I've got some questions left over that I didn't get to today. But get those questions in. Lockdownblackhawks at gmail.com or voicemail 708-653-0572. Tomorrow is Friday. Finally, we will talk about the Blackhawks game. They play the Lightning tonight at 6 p.m on NBC Sports Chicago. Hopefully the Hawks can get their second regulation win of the month and then get on a decent roll here as a much easier and much home-friendlier month rolls along. Thanks for listening. My name's Jay Zawoski. This is Locked on Blackhawk.